Our series is still called, What is Love? A Study of the Ten Commandments. Are you ready for our quiz question? Mama Glow is here today to help us. Are you ready for the quiz question? What, <laughs> what do the Ten Commandments have to do with love? Everything. According to Jesus and my mama. <laughs> Jesus told us that the, the law and the prophets are summed up by loving God with every part of ourselves and by loving our neighbor as ourselves. So this has everything to do with how we love God and how we love one another. It has everything to do with us living like image bearers. That was a good place for someone else to agree other than Aaron. It has everything to do with living like image bearers. It is also increasingly important as we proceed through these, these commands that we remember that these are not the ten accusations. These are not the ten condemnations. They are not the ten indictments. They're not the ten suggestions. But they are not given to us to crush us or to condemn us. But if we read them from the beginning, it always, I am the Lord your God who rescued you, who redeemed you. In other words, having been loved by God, and you are. Somebody just say out loud, I am loved by God. Having been loved by God, this is how you love. This is what it means, what it looks like to love God and love others. The goal in looking at these is not to leave us ashamed, but to call us to live rightly. And ultimately, to remind us gratefully of our need for a Savior. What is love? Today, love is sacred. Ooh, why don't you just try saying it out loud? Love is sacred. Love is sacred. Now, we're in, we're in verse 14 of chapter 20 of the Ten Commandments. And again, we've gone through the big, broad commandments about, you know, no other gods and no idols and honoring our parents and Sabbath. And, and these have been good and they've been healthy and they've been, and, and there's been a lot of, oh, yeah, I really like that one. And we got to know murder and people are like, yeah, murder is a bad idea. <laughs> and now we get to no adultery. You shall not commit adultery. And it's tempting to go, hey, wait a minute. Now God is messing with my business. Now God is getting into my personal, my business. But here's the truth. It's all his business. Here's the deal. Here's the command. You shall not commit adultery. Here's a New Testament correlative, a New Testament parallel passage that Paul would say to us. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? You have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. That means you were worth paying for. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Someone say it one more time. Love is sacred. The command is pretty straightforward, just like last week. Now I say last week. I know my, my dad spoke last week, and everybody tells me how great my dad is. I know that already. I knew before you did. Uh, 
Last week, the command was no murder. Just two, two words in the Hebrew. No murder. Simple, straightforward. When God says no murder, he asserts his authority over human life. Human life is his, not ours. We may not take life, not even our own. Love for God and love for others means respect for and protection of human life. And it follows that as we, as we follow the progression of these commands, all rooted in the glory of God, the sanctity of human life, it follows then that God also asserts authority over human sexuality. Human sexuality is God's idea and God's design. We don't get to write our own script. Love for God and love for others respects God's authority over and design for human sexuality. We res- it respects God's authority over and designed for. Would you say those two ideas with me? His authority over and designed for. What does it mean? What does this command mean? No adultery. Well, okay, it is this. The command forbids sexual activity of a married person with any person not their spouse. This command places human sexuality sacredly within the context of marriage between a man and a woman. <laughs> I, you know at this church, I hold back. Because if I go, if I give you a little bit more red meat, you will fill the ceiling with bullets. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. It's just an expensive roof. The command places human sexuality sacredly within the context of a marriage between a man and a woman. Unlike other commands, this one has no provisions. What do you mean, Dav? Well, no murder. But there are provisions. There's actually different words used in the Hebrew. No murder, but there are provisions for for war, for self-defense, for capital punishment. Last week, somebody came to me after the no murder thing, and they said, hey, 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 hey. They kind of called me aside, kind of leaned down, talked to me in the quiet. They said, hey, now what about, what about if somebody breaking into my house, threatening my wife, my family? I said, send them to Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> now I meant pray with them and I I don't I'm not responsible for how they (laughs) save them and send them pray pray with me now quick There's provisions for uh, no murder, but there are provisions. There are provisions, and we'll see it in the, in the weeks ahead. There's even provision for theft. Never is theft okay, 
but there's mercy for it. If, you are, if someone steals in order to survive or in order to provide for their family, there's merciful provisions for that. And the Sabbath, no work. Except you still got to milk the cow. Still got to milk the cow. You still got to feed the children. Still got to feed the dav. <laughs> right? No, no work except for some of the work. And if your ox falls into a pit, get the ox out of the pit. Sorry, it's the Sabbath. You got to stay in there upside down. <laughs> See you in 20 more hours. You'll be fine. Here's some hay. No. But when we get to adultery, I wish I would rub my glasses. When we get to adultery, we put our glasses on and we, we flip through the scriptures and we try to make sure. Let's find the fine print. Here's what we find out. Nowhere is adultery okay. There is no provision for like, oh, you just felt like it. Oh, it seemed nice. It was consensual. It was just physical. I needed attention. No, human sexuality is only sacred in the marriage covenant. Therefore, human sexuality, when expressed in the sacredness of the marriage covenant, it honors God. It honors God, and it honors and protects marriage and family. And it promotes, like all of these commands, it promotes a just and a good society. I'm sorry. I don't know if I've got any like serious Star Wars fans in here, but I have. I want to be careful. I write these notes carefully, so I don't. I don't want to say something. A something and something society. I don't want to be the, the. You know, I don't know what he said, the Sith guy, but I don't want to say that. Right. Um, <laughs> Order. Um, uh. <laughs> but if there were a way to, to be a benevolent Sith Lord, we should explore it. Um, yeah, yeah. But all of these commands promote justice and goodness. They, this command honors and protects the fundamental core of society, marriage in the home. It protects it. To denigrate the sacredness of marriage is to begin to unravel the very infrastructure of society. Ancient Near East religions close to the, the, the Yahwehists of the Hebrew nation, they called adultery anarchy. They, was, they said it was akin to anarchy, meaning an absolute rejection of any sense of structure. We... It would be, it's easy for us to consider implementing just this. If we just recognize, if society recognized and embraced this, uh, think about the toxicity, the torment, and the heartache that would be avoided. Yeah. Avoided. And now consider the medical, social, society, economic criminal justice and welfare issues that would be curbed if human sexuality were kept sacred in marriage. The world's answer to the problem 
is to justify, to exploit, to explain. The world's answer is Kinsey, Freud, and Hefner. But God's design is marriage. You can't argue against the practical implications of protecting human sexuality. You can't. It's just common sense. But if ever there were a command that people looked for every kind of loophole, this is the one. And they did. And they have. And we have. But our Lord Jesus comes and defines sacred. Are you willing to follow Jesus? Listen to Jesus in Matthew 5, verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus does not limit adultery here just to married persons, but to any person. Listen, I tell you that anyone, somebody say anyone. anyone. Oh, now we're talking everybody. He he, he, he says that anybody can practice this, and he lumps together all acts of immorality as adultery. And he doesn't limit it to an act, but he identifies it as lust. I had a wonderful and well-meaning young, young guy come to me last service and say, okay, 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 okay. What's the, and he meant it, but what's the line? And he was sincere. Like, what's the line? Like, am I not, like, I, what's it, is it okay to say someone looks pretty? Well, I said, well, sure it is. You ought to say that. I say it and I sound creepy all the time. <laughs> I just say more and more weird things the older I get. Um, <laughs> but at least I warn people, look, if your children are missing, find me. Um, um, it's true. If there's a toddler, I got them. They're with me. Um, Yes, I turn the camera off. Click, click, click. No. <laughs> but the, I said, I tried to say, look, the, the battle is in your imagination. There's a, there's a, what are you imagining? Like murder, adultery happens in the heart. It begins by entertaining unclean ideas and images. It partners with unholy impulses. It falls for the allure of forbidden fruit. And all of this occurs well before there's any physical contact. So not only does Jesus define sacred, he also firmly places, again, human sexuality only within the covenant of marriage. Being asked about marriage by some, Jesus answered, he said, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator, quote, made them male and female, and for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Jesus is being asked about marriage, and he goes 
all the way back to Genesis 1, 26 and 27, that we are made in the image of God, male and female. And Genesis chapter 2, 24, that, that, that the expression of that is only rightfully expressed in the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman, a grown man and a woman. Someone, you will leave your father and mother. He really lays it out there. This is, the, this is health. This is sacred. Jesus locates this. Marriage is between a, 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 well, grown. And that society can kind of measure that differently between a male and a female. This is so important. Not only is this about how image bearers live, not only is this is about how, how this has everything to do with the glory of God, but this is how we love God, this is how we love one another, and this is a fundamental understanding. Human sexuality is sacred and must only be expressed according to the design of God in the covenant of marriage between male and female. So therefore, consent never makes it right. Marriage does. Now I want to push on that and I want to be careful and not go too far, all kinds of rabbit trails, but prophetically we must speak to the culture and say, no, you may not redefine what makes it okay. Consent is not the moral uh, line of human sexuality. Because, if it's, because the argument of consent seeks to push those boundaries to say that anything is possible, anything is fine as long as there's consent. And that is unholy. If we want to know, and you know what? We weren't the first people to have to need to understand this. If you think that they totally understood no adultery, and that's all they, and they, oh, we get it, then you need to read Leviticus 20. Because he said, listen, what I mean is, pardon me, everybody, but it's the Bible. Well, he said, what I mean is, not even with animals. And they said, oh, okay, well. Love is sacred. Everything else, anything else is sinful toward God, harmful to those involved, and is ultimately destructive. Because love is sacred. It, love is not comedic. And it is not public. It is also not shameful. It's not shameful. It's sacred. How does this reveal to us our need for a Savior? Well, it would be easy for this command, among others, to carry an awful weight of condemnation. Because in terms of recognizing and keeping human sexuality sacred... We are broken. If we understand how Jesus explains the, the, the vibrant kernel of this truth of purity, we understand that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. We have broken it, we are broken, and we need a Savior. And aren't we glad that God is so good that he sees us in our brokenness and loves us more than our brokenness. That he comes to us to save us. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So these commands, again, they are not designed to shame but they are intended to bring correction and to call us to live as image bearers. Having been loved by God, how then should we love? By keeping love sacred. 
And this is acutely true for followers of Jesus. And it's equally necessary. If you read your Bible, you read the New Testament, you read the epistles, the letters from the apostles, you'll see that almost every single one of them, the apostles have to say, now listen, there's always this regular corrective given to the Christian church to encourage them, to command them to engage in a radical departure from the sexual cultures they were part of. It's always been necessary. Hear the Apostle Paul again, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, flee sexual immorality. Everybody say flee. flee. My daddy used to say, son, don't debate with the devil. Don't, don't get in debates. Don't get in contests. Don't put yourself into situations where you're going to need to debate with the devil or have long discussions. Flee sexual immorality. Run fast far. All other sins a person commits outside of the body. Whoever sins sexually sins against his own body. But here it is. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit whom you have received from God? You were bought with a price. You are not your own. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Here, here, here comes the, the new covenant understanding that as image bearers, we are temples of the Holy Spirit. And that again and again, Paul wants his audience to understand that we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that because of this, because of the Spirit of God in our lives, every part of us is holy. And is to be expressed in ways that honor God. We are spirit-filled, spirit-formed, spirit-empowered followers of Jesus. Therefore, we honor God, and we recognize that love is sacred. We need a Savior. We need a Savior to cleanse us. We need a Savior to restore us. We need a Savior to lead us in righteousness for our own sakes for our family's sakes, for our community's sake, for the glory of God. All of it because love is sacred. Love is sacred. Can we lean in and just ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, would you challenge us in your own gracious way this morning? I thank you that your voice is not condemnation. It is not hard toward us, nor angry toward us. Holy Spirit, we cannot afford to entertain uncleanness. We cannot afford to make room for the unholy, for the immoral. Lord, we, it's not just about sin being wrong. It's about love being sacred. Lord, would you give us an awareness of, a gladness for, a respect for the sacredness of this gift. Would you lead us in vulnerable, honest, holy devotion to Jesus?
together just open our hearts to the Lord that there is forgiveness, that there is hope, there is restoration, and there is righteousness in Jesus Christ. We give you thanks for all of this. We thank you for calling us, Lord, calling us to follow you in this way. Can we give the Lord thanks together? Lord, we give you thanks. Friends, you're welcome to hang out in the cafe and enjoy refreshments one with another. If you would like someone just to pray with you this morning, you just want someone to agree with you, pray pray with you, pray for you, uh, Lord wrestling with your heart, we have folks that will join you, folks that will meet you across this front, just pray with you this morning. So let's just make the front of this place a place of prayer. If you want to hang out and visit, we've got lobby and cafe for that. God bless you. Be kind to someone on your way out today.